There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. This episode is brought to you by Skinny Pop Popcorn. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Oh, so light and crunchy. Skinny Pop Original Popcorn is the snack you've been searching for. Made with just three simple ingredients, popcorn kernels, sunflower oil, and salt. Snacking never felt or tasted so good. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Give yourself permission to snack and pick up Skinny Pop Original Popcorn today. This podcast is sponsored by Regatta Outdoors. It's a glorious spring day and you're heading out on a walk. What do you bring with you? A paper map? Plenty of snacks? Well, of course they're important, but any seasoned hiker will tell you that footwear is the first thing to consider. Whether you prefer relaxed rambles or challenging summits, comfortable and reliable shoes are essential. Regatta has waterproof and breathable footwear for the whole family, for every outdoor occasion. Discover the range in stores nationwide and at regatta.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast and a new season of Mindful Escapes into the Green Outdoors. My name's Fergus Collins and I'm your host. So we've got a lovely series of beautiful adventures as autumn stretches into winter. And a lot of these were recorded in spring and summer so that we can bring a bit of light at this darker time of year. In this, our fifth episode, we return to the Folk by the Oak Festival in Hertfordshire to hear music steeped in landscape, wildlife, love and law. Our friend Annabel Ross talks to Karine Polwart from Spell Songs, and we meet heroes of mine, the Proclaimers, and listen to two of their most famous songs. So a big thank you to everybody at Folk by the Oak for letting us in, and hope you enjoy these beautiful melodies. And don't forget to leave likes and feedback on whichever podcast provider you use. You can email me at editor at countryfile.com. My name's Karine Polwart, and I'm a songwriter, a folk singer, and a writer. What do you write? Um, I write children's books, I write theatre pieces, I write stories. And are they all... Are they all with the theme of the natural world and the landscape and nature, or not necessarily? Um, I think more and more that's the kind of core world that I'm kind of guddling around in. Yeah, and that's been an evolution over, I would say, the past ten years. Um, I've just, I guess, I guess... It's a reflection of where I live. I live in the southeast corner of Scotland, so I love the place that I live. And I write a lot about the landscape round about me, which is kind of a landscape of um, farms and moorland and woods and beautiful coastline of East Lothian. Um, so that's a big source of inspiration for my writing. Karine, with your music, you're, you sing on your own and you sing with spell, spell singers, but you presume, or maybe you sing with other bands as well, I've no idea. But um, So you write your own music for yourself 
Is that right? I yeah. made my own music and I also perform traditional songs and I also reinterpret the songs of other people. So for me, they're all kind of in the same pool, really. Um, but yeah, my, my own writing is very much inspired by um, kind of storytelling, folk style of, of writing. And does folk music always come from the countryside? Would you say, or can it? Does it? Does it? Is that a bit unfair? You can be, you can, you can kind of in, be inspired as a folk singer in the city as much as the country. Or would you say it's kind of traditionally from the countryside? Um, I think that I think actually it's not necessarily traditionally from the countryside. I think it's very much rooted in place and time and circumstance. But you're as likely to hear a song that's from from. Um, the experience of a factory worker in the 19th century or a fishing community or so there's there's tons of urban folk songs and tons of songs of protest and resistance that have come very much from kind of urban experience um, but a lot of a lot of music and certainly in Scotland because there's so much land um, a, a lot of it is also inspired by by place and by landscape and specifically by how people inhabit that landscape so you get a real sense from the kind of history of folk song of, of, of how people have lived on the land that they have, you know, they've farmed and they've fished and they've, you know, the land has been a, something that they're kind of codependent with. And that's what's of interest to me now, I think, in the context of climate change and a climate emergency really is that there's a lot of people within the folk music scene um, in the UK who are actively engaged with the issue of kind of, um, you know, biodiversity loss and um, really thinking about the kind of deep stories that are attached to the places that we live in and what we do, like going forward, what what that means, what impact we're having. On so those places. So, are you writing more in that style of of, of sort of environmental awareness? Do you, is that what you call it, or I would say so, and and not necessarily in a polemical way, but you know, I, I've written over the past five or six years. Um, about a peat bog that's very local to me, just two miles down the road. So I've written a whole theatre piece and a book and an album with my friend and colleague Pippa Murphy, who's a composer and sound designer, all about this one tiny little scrap of peat bog. But it's so rich there. It's rich in terms of the plant life, the animal and bird life, the history of it, because it was close to the site of a medieval hospital. And, and there was a kind of codependency with the moor because the, the people who worked there, the the abbots that, that lived on the in the hospital site, you know, knew which plants to collect that would give offer pain relief. That would so there's I think there's a real um, growing sense of uh, fascination and interest about some of the knowledge that we've perhaps lost about the the things that grow around us and that live amongst us that actually have you know we've had good knowledge <laughs> of how these things can can help us and how we can help them. So actually folk music is important in a kind of passing the message on and keeping it alive and keeping the story alive and keeping the history alive. Um, I mean, for me, it, for me, it's important. It's not important to everybody, but for me, it's it feels like a really potent way to connect with people who lived in other times. You know, I, I, I think there's a lot to be gained from an awareness of people and how they lived in the past, and and they present a really graphic um, story of, of what's changed over the arc of decades and centuries, um, and there's something to be learned from that, I think, and also something to be projected into the future and a sense of awareness about about our responsibility to, to people who don't exist yet. And I think that's something that comes very strongly from folk traditions. We're, we're listening in the background just now um, to my friend and bandmate um, Seku Keita, who's a kora player and singer from Senegal, and he can name his 
generations of musical ancestors, I think 70 or 71 generations back. And actually, that's not uncommon um, for people, for example, in Gaelic singing tradition or piping traditions, to be able to name generations. And I think once you have that sense of that you've come from some place, then maybe it gives you a head start in thinking about where it's all going and that one day you, you will be the ancestors of somebody who's not alive yet. So there's something about time, like folk music is a, offers not just a sense of spatial awareness and place, it offers a sense of um, journeying, people's stories journeying through time. So what are we going to hear you doing today? Because I'm talking to you before you're going on stage today. So you're going on twice. Are you in two different with two different hats on? So what will you be doing later? So um, I'm going to be performing with a group called Spell Songs. There's seven of us, including Seku, um, and we our, our music is all inspired by the work of Jackie Morris and Robert McFarlane and, and the the work that they've done through the Lost Words and the Lost Spells. And that, that work, which, which exists in, in pictorial and, and kind of spell word form, is all about the loss of words, that, that, you know, our, our, our kind of waning ability to name the things that we live amongst, um, the kind of all this greater than human life around us. Um, and we have been absolutely privileged to respond to that work in the form of music and song. So all of the stuff that we'll, we'll be performing with spell songs is inspired by... Um, yeah, I mean, for example, we, we have a song for the heron, a song for the fox, a song for the bramble. Yeah, um, so it's about a lot of the, you know, the plants and animals and birds that are around us, but but um, with an awareness that actually not everyone has access to those to those plants and animals and birds. And so there's a, there's an inequity about about how we engage with the landscape around us. And I think that project that Jackie and Rob have spearheaded has been really bringing that to the to the fore in as the spell singers spell singers um did you not all kind of choose one spell to kind of work on so which or maybe more than one which one did you do or more than one um so i chose um let me think (laughs) bramble so i chose bramble because it's so familiar to me it grows in my back garden i make jam my mum's always made jam my granny made jam so brambles are a big deal um so the bramble spell is kind of a it's quite a gnarly one. It's kind of a, a little bit eerie and creepy. It's kind of a, there's a sense of something post-apocalyptic or post-pandemic or something. There's something quite eerie about the spell, which Rob wrote before the whole COVID-19 um, outbreak happened. Um, but I guess it's about how life persists, whether or not we are around to witness it, um, which is just the truth. But actually, the the amazing thing about the group is there are seven of us, so there's Seku Keita, um, there's Julie Fowlis, a Gaelic singer, Chris Drever from Orkney, Rachel Newton, beautiful harp player, uh, Beth Porter, who's a cellist and singer, and Jim Molyneux uh, on key. In fact, Jim Molyneux plays everything. He's an amazing musician. He's kind of like musical glue. But every single one of us um, was drawn to something different in the work. Um, so there was no fighting about what we would write about, which was, which was handy. Um, and it means that there's a because there are seven different voices and musical personalities represented, the thing, you know, the whole musical form has a lovely kind of diverse quality to it, but at the same time, we feel like a band, so it's an absolutely joyous.
My name's Sherlock. That's my forest name. My outside world name is rather boring, so it's called Richard, which is quite dull. So that's why I call myself Sherlock, because I love trees, especially oak trees, and I like unravelling the mysteries of nature, just like Sherlock Holmes did. So I'm a, I'm a what could I say? A, a, Mad. <laughs> you do look. You do look very. You're very, very foresty looking today with your green suede, long suede waistcoat, green shorts, green t-shirt. Oh, blue shoes, and your bowler hat with all the leaves and feathers in it. Are those jay feathers? They are jay. Well yeah, done. They're yes. Lovely those yes. ones in the front. Yeah, I'm quite pleased I got those right. What about the other ones. Uh, Kestrel. It's owl. Tawny. Owl. Tawny. Another owl. He's. Yeah. Uh, no, sorry, that's buzzard. Oh, okay, and, there were, and an oak leaf, yes, of course. Of course. And so, what are you doing today? We're just about to go on this walk. What is it you're 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 taking people to see or do? Well, we're going to show them uh, some of the ancient trees in Hatfield Forest. So, Hatfield Forest is probably the last proper hunting forest. So, it looks now. If you look at it now, it looks. It probably would have looked the same in Norman times. So I just want to show people some of these lovely, wonderful trees and why they're ancient and just tell them a bit about the trees, you know. Uh, I do this because I love nature and I've always loved nature. I was very lucky. I was exposed to nature from a very young age since I was born and um, it instilled in me a love of nature and I want to share it with other people because um, a lot of people don't get a chance to... to indulge in nature as much as, as I do so uh, they don't get the opportunity and in schools it's a different kind of structure and they teach in a different way and I try to teach through discovery exploration games and activities rather than you know, sitting in a classroom and lecturing and always being outside come rain or shine no not in the rain no oh you don't you don't get up when it rains no would you <laughs> and um, so what do we need to do in schools to get kids more interested in nature what, what do we need to change uh, well uh, I think it needs a whole sale firstly I probably wouldn't if I had George I wouldn't send them to school uh, I would uh, probably homeschool them or community school of some kind because I think schools are too big they're too structured they're too hierarchical um, and they don't really teach much about nature so really a curriculum considering what we're going through at the moment with 40 degree heat in Britain I think we really need to focus on nature how to grow plants how to grow your own plants not keep consuming and buying things um, how to feed plants how to ferment them and keep them through the winter um, how to make compost how to actually make compost um, so how to repair a bike these are the things that should be in schools this is what kids should be learning if you ask me not King Henry VIII and his six wives or seven wives and I mean that's all I remember from school that is all I remember what I've learned about nature is what I've learned after school so I think it takes a long time, but after school, basically you're unlearning what you've learned at school. So, so you didn't enjoy learning at school, but now 
you're a teacher because you realise that there's a better way to learn. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. okay, that's really sweet. And um, where did you grow up out of interest? I grew up in Ryslip. Yeah, and my playground was Ryslip Woods. And, and my, when I'm not Sherlock, uh, I'm a, a wooden officer uh, in Ryslip Woods. So uh, I managed to get a job in the woodland that I used to play in as a kid. So to me, that is uh, the greatest job in the world. I mean, you're a ticket, okay? Now you all know what that leaf is, don't you? What is it? Oak. Oh. Do you know which type of oak it is? A Quercus robur. <laughs> Have a look. That one's not. No. Ah. no. I'm going to show you how to identify the two types. There are two types of native oak in this country, and it took me about 40 years to learn them. Not easy to learn, but we're going to try today. So, two types of oak are. Does anyone know? One's a sessile. One's a sessile, or Quercus petraea. The other's Quercus roba. Pendunculus. And the other one is Peduncula, mm. yes, yes, or Quercus roba, yes. So Quercus is a Celtic name. So Quercus means fine tree, apparently, mm. in the old Celtic language. And roba, Quercus roba, means, I think it means strong. I think it's Latin, yeah. Um, so the two types of trees, so you've got sessile and Peduncula. Now Peduncula, the leaves, there is an easy way to do it with acorns, but if they haven't got acorns, you need to do it with the leaves. So the leaves, like Quercus roba or Peduncula, you only have five or less lobes. So if you count your lobes on the side, if there's less, or five or less, well if there's less than five, it's definitely Quercus roba or Peduncula. If you've got more than that, you've got sessile. So you, you look as if you've got sessile over there. How many have you got? So just on one side. I've got five and a half, I think. It's been nibbled. So this one has got one, two, three, four, five, six. Don't count the top one. Six there. So that is... Sessile. That's a sessile, yes. That's a sessile. And... The other one has got one, two, three, four, four and a half. So that is peduncular, that's right. And also on peduncular, you'll notice that they have these ears at the bottom. Look at your leaf. If it's got ears at the bottom, that means it's quercus rope. The main way, but you can only do this in autumn, telling the two apart, is by the stalk. So this is an acorn, okay? And this thing is called a what? Any ideas? Peduncle. So that's why it's peduncular oak, because it's got a peduncle. A peduncle is some is a stalk that leads to a, a flower or a seed, and in this case, the seed is the acorn. Sessile oak doesn't have a peduncle, so the acorn sits right on the twig. Okay. So that is the main difference, the main way of telling the difference. Okay. Okay. So that's that's our first. So this tree here, would you say that was ancient? Yes. Yeah? yeah. Put your hands up if you think it's ancient. Yeah, I agree, I agree. Why? 
It's girth, yeah, size of it. So it's a very, it's very wide, very large circumference. So quite a huge girth, isn't it? That's one reason. And the other reason is because you've got lost its crown. It's lost its crown. It's got all this dead wood on it, uh, but it's still alive. So an ancient tree is a tree that's older than 400 years, but is also showing the signs of retrenchment. So it's showing the signs of death, and it's basically retrenching means uh, you try to keep your physical integrity, so you stay alive by losing some of your parts. So, <laughs> for example, it's lost its crown, and it's reduced its crown to lower down. So therefore, the roots, which are now old and feeble, can still feed lower down, but they can't reach all the way up there. So that's why they deliberately reduce the top, their top crown. So I've lost my crown, <laughs> and you can see, and I've reduced it, and now it grows out of my ears <laughs> and my nostrils, you know. So, um, and also, I don't play football anymore, because I can't. So, but I still want to keep my physical integrity, so I play table tennis, which is a lot easier. So that's what it's doing. Here's a dragon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My tears are drying. My tears are drying. Your beauty. I'm Charlie, I'm sitting here near Hatfield House. Charlie from the Proclaimers. Yes, Charlie from the Proclaimers. <laughs> I am Craig from the Proclaimers, I'm sitting two feet away. Um, so, Folk by the Oak, is this your usual kind of scene that you would be doing, you'd be playing at at the we, moment? We do all kinds of festivals. This is definitely one of the more sedate ones we do, but we, do, we have done folk festivals in, in Britain, we've done them in uh, Canada, we've done them in Australia, New Zealand. So we have done a number of them down the years, a lot of other different kind of festivals, you know, but this this is a, a lovely setting here. We haven't done this one before, so we're looking forward to it. So am I, really looking forward to it. And uh, do you consider yourself folk, folk, folk singers? I consider what we do to have folk roots and folk influence, yeah. I mean, I think primarily it was rock and roll with us growing up, but certainly the tradition of 
maybe lyrics that don't just talk about love between a man and a woman. I think that in the folk tradition. And, uh, <laughs> well, I think it's a, it's a social commentary record, this this new one. It's called uh, Dentures Out, the album, and it's going to be out in September. Uh, and it's basically talking about... it's a, this. I think it's the first record we've ever done where there is a theme running through it, and the theme is the past. Given that we're 60, that's not particularly surprising, but it's a definitely an anti, anti-nostalgia record. It's definitely an anti-nostalgic. We are looking past back in quite a lot of it uh, and we're looking around us at, the, at what's around us now and um, I think that's where the political stuff, stuff comes from the satire because there's so much material to work with you know there's so many things going on now that it's basically like um, shooting fish in a barrel really Yeah there is an extraordinary amount going on at the moment that is yeah that you can use I imagine. Did you did you get any inspiration from the countryside growing up, or did you get any inspiration from the countryside with any of your lyrics? Or, I mean, I could ask you, where did you walk those <laughs> well, 1,000 miles? It was all together 1,000. I think um, that definitely wasn't... That was definitely a, a pledge. That wasn't a, something I'd done. I do like walking. I like walking in cities more, I'll be honest with you. But um, we, we did... When we were young, we spent two, two and a half years in Cornwall in a rural setting, and then we moved back to Scotland. We'd been born in Edinburgh, moved to Cornwall when we were about eight, two and a half years there, then back up to Scotland to Ochtamarty and Fife, and that was about eight years. So we did a, a good ten years of our childhood was spent in rural environments. So that obviously does have an effect on you, yeah. And do you have fond memories of it, like running around or climbing trees? or? I think both places, particularly Cornwall, I think, coming from Scotland I know things are changing quickly but the weather was so much better in Cornwall it's still better in Cornwall and it, that was interesting and playing out in the fields a lot I think when we're we're talking about seven eight nine years of age um, and yeah I, th- I had very very fond memories of Cornwall somewhat of Fife as well then you were getting a bit older playing football and stuff but you know taking the walk the, the dogs up the hills and stuff like that yeah very very fond memories of that Oh, you are big football fans, aren't you? Who's yes. your team? Hibernian football team. Okay, thank you. I'll just leave it there because I'm not going to pretend I know anything about football. Um, so, you, uh, Craig, yeah. you were talking about walking through cities. Do you still do quite a lot of walking? A lot, yeah, because I mean, it is the. I get, I get the buses in Edinburgh a lot because that's. They're good. Uh, but still, often the easiest way to walk up to get about is walking uh, in Edinburgh. Is, is up a very, those hills? Uh, uh, up those hills, uh, yes, it's a very hilly place, but it's a good place to, to, to be out walking. And uh, I'll go through the, the meadows, the park on the south side of Edinburgh most days, so that's, a, that's an uplifting experience. Is it your thinking time or are you listening to stuff? Are you I listening to music or podcasts? Yeah, or? I never listen to stuff. I never put earphones ever. I observe and I think. Uh, and you get, Sometimes you get tunes in your head uh, and you just look around. And, and it, it is good. It is the truth. You know, if you live in an urban environment, even 10, 15 minutes spent walking through a park or some, some trees, it definitely helps your, your mood. There's no doubt about that. Do you both write the lyrics? Yes, we do. Craig likes a lot more than I do, but we both write music and lyrics. I think generally with most songs that we write, there's, there's definitely a fair amount of truth in all of them. And some of them, it's basically as a directly a direct observation of things that have happened. 
but you you you, you do need that extra bit that comes from I don't know where it, where it comes from you know but I think it, a majority of our lyrics are probably based on events that we have been through or we have observed. Really, do you think you'll keep going till you drop? I, I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I would like to. I think it's good to do that. The question, the, the main thing is, I really don't want to know the minute and the hour of when I drop, you know. But it would be good to carry on. It would be good not to retire. But I think that there comes a, a thing with, with acts, a lot of acts, they go on too long. I mean, I was listening earlier on to Richard Thompson. He's great. He's as great as he ever was, maybe better. And the styles of music that it suits, maybe folk, acoustic music, um, some jazz, maybe some blues. But I think what we do is going to be hard to sustain mm. in, well into the future. But keep going as long as you can. And the bottom line is keep going as long as somebody wants to see you. If no one wants to come, you're off on your holidays, aren't you? Or you're, you're dead on the street either. You know? <laughs> yeah, I think so. And I think, I think the main thing is keeping going. Uh, at a good standard if your stand, if your standards I think you can maybe we, we're definitely 100% now if it goes down to 90 you could probably still do it you probably still want to do it but if it went down to like 70 or something I, I don't think no. we're 60 now uh, we always say when we got to 60 it's time to to sit down and look at it and see if it's still you still think you're doing it just as we are so um the next few years I think we'll definitely keep going beyond that beyond the, beyond the next five years I don't know I can't wait to see you. I can't wait. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> okay.
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Rakuten. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like UGG, Samsung, and Expedia. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use, and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. That's Rakuten. With milder weather and longer days on the way, now is the time to dust off your hiking boots and enjoy the great British countryside. And wherever you go, whatever the terrain, Regatta Great Outdoors has the right footwear for any adventure. From grassy hills to rocky trails and even paved footpaths, there's a regatta shoe to suit your walking preferences. Discover lightweight trainers for day-to-day wear or walking shoes for multi-day hikes like the brand new Samaris 3. Combining comfort with performance, the Samaras 3 is available as a shoe and boot for both men and women and is ideal for all your hiking pursuits. TechFoam InSock technology supports your foot, while an EVA midsole and shock-absorbing heel protects you from bumps along the way. Plus, it's waterproof and breathable, so your feet stay dry no matter the weather. Available to shop in stores nationwide and at regatta.com. What a lovely way to finish with the Proclaimers walking 500 miles and 500 miles more. I've been a fan of the Proclaimers for many years, so lovely to get them on the podcast. Thank you, both Proclaimer brothers, for joining Annabelle there and chatting to her and allowing us to publish a couple of their great songs. So that was the Folk by the Oak Festival. And I'd like to say a big thanks to organisers Caroline and Adam Slough for inviting us there in the form of Annabelle, our good friend. So we heard there, as well as the Proclaimers, we heard Karine Pulwatt with, uh, from Spell Songs and their song Jay. Beautiful. Talking of beautiful, joined in the studio <laughs> by Hannah, Hannah and Jack, uh, who were away last week. Hannah and Jack helped me make the podcast, and without whom it wouldn't exist. Lovely to see you both. And Hello. you. Excellent. I hope you enjoyed a bit of folk music. Nice to have some music on the plod. Very lovely. Do, are you a fan of The Proclaimers as much as I am? Uh, Sunshine on Leaf always makes me cry. Doesn't matter what context it's in, it's just immediately tears. My heart was broken. It's just, ah. yeah, does something. It's a lovely song. It does always think, I do always think of the countryside. Obviously, mm. for them, it's slightly different. And I was interested that their songs have quite an urban take, obviously. And there are lots of deep thoughts there, but it's not totally inspired by, by the countryside. Well, it goes back to what Lauren McCall was talking about. Um, Lauren McCall from Salt House in the previous episode, she talks about nature and landscape being relevant in an urban environment as well. It's not solely the job of the countryside to look after nature it's it's, it's everywhere well we need it in our cities yeah 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 celebrate it in our cities celebrate it through song because yeah. that's where most people live jack you a fan of folk music proclaimers and yeah i'm more for folk music i think there's a 
it's sort of in the same category as almost like sea shanties. It's sort of mm-hmm. they're nice music that is very st- sort of story led, story based, steeped in yeah, steeped in mess and yeah, old tales and mm. and like talking about that layering. There's that close harmony something about the combination of different people's voices in that kind of style that I think really speaks to something within us it's just such a pleasing thing to hear when we had Sam Lee earlier in the year with Nightingale singing with Nightingales actually directly communing with Nightingales and that Sussex Forest I think that was the absolute sort of apex of folk music and landscape and nature coming together. It was so moving. And if you haven't heard that, that's episode 147, Sam Lee in a Sussex woodland with nightingales. But yes, so we've had two episodes from Folk by the Oak and I'd like more to get more music in. It's always good. We'd like to have, we should have a jingle. <laughs> <laughs> we need some jingles. Um, we've got Birdsong as our jingle at the moment. So if anyone has any suggestions or offers or ideas, We'd love to hear them. You can get in contact with me. My name is Fergus Collins. My email address is editor at countryfile.com. Talking of creative ideas, I'm very interested to find out what your forest names would be. Okay, Sherlock's Taken, which is so... Such a shame. Yeah, I really enjoyed listening to Sherlock and his his wonders around the forest. Do we think that puns are a necessary part of the forest name? In my life, in my life, (laughs) puns are important. Um, mine would be fungus. <laughs> um, Can you be a fun guy? A fun guy. Well, I, yeah, there's there's not mushroom for more than fungus one Fungus is me. more like Fergus, though. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. yeah, but it's just full of childhood trauma, isn't it? it it's a sort of, well, it was my one of, one of my nicknames. You heard my other nickname the other day, which is flower. But also because of fungus, there was also, when I, just when I reached that age where, pe- where kids are really cruel, Raymond Briggs released Fungus the Bogeyman, mm. which was Classic. really hilarious, but I couldn't read it because it was all about, I mean, it was this green monster who collected snot. And, um, <laughs> I can see why they called you so, that. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my hobbies. Um, it's, uh, it just came at the wrong time. So everybody in my class, well, not everybody, I had some, I had, I had friends, but there was a sort of fungus, fungi, mushroom. I was the whole, the whole lot. So it was, a. Uh, and now I've come to appreciate that it is this connection. To, and I'm in my element in autumn. Jack, who's I'm, I'm trying to be too clever. I, <laughs> should we, should we come up, should Jack we, is the beanstalk. Jack, Jack is the beanstalk because he's at least a foot taller than, than both Hannah and I. So I only just fit in this room. <laughs> yeah, 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 I have to yeah. fold you. Yeah. So we've got show. Um, and what's yours? I have genuinely no idea. I would not. I do. Oh, come yeah, on. You no, can't ask the question without imagination. Uh, well, we've got to come up with one now. Okay, so we need a, we need a, we need a name for Hannah. I think this needs minds greater than yours. Yes, there's quite a few minds greater than us. Harsh but fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you can come up with a forest name for Hannah. Yes, please do, listeners. I look forward to that. Same email address, and uh, we'll enjoy uh, sharing forest names. Anyway, fungus and Jack the beans, Jack and the beanstalk, <laughs> Jack the beanstalk, um, Jack by the hedge. I think is, oh, is yeah, my favourite, really nice. which is garlic mustard, a great springtime flower, and that's. It's also a tall one. Springs out of taller than all the surrounding I'll take plants. whatever and I can get. It's quite smelly. Oh, you're in a nice perfect, way. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying. Gosh, you are hard crowd tonight. <laughs> um, well, we, while we're here, we do have some we do have some missives from our lovely listeners, uh, including long distance listener of the week, and we've got a lovely long 
letter in the post bag. So brilliant. Who would like to delve into? I can just take it down and see what comes out. Why don't you delve? I will delve. This is a long one. Just take off the wax seal. <laughs> oh wow, this is. This one's from Hannah Bowley. A regular writer. Regular writer. And this one, I'm liking the look of this one. They've written it and said, uh, In the car on the way home from holiday at the end of August, my six-year-old son and I listened to episode 160, the one about bees. We paused it now and then to discuss various things that were said, and at one point I heard, Mummy? Yes? This is really interesting. We both learned lots about bees and enjoyed the lady's enthusiasm for her work. Then we moved on to episode 161, the one on cattle. Uh, This was obviously a bit more intense but I have a lot of respect for Tim Smith and always enjoy hearing from him, so I thought I'd try my luck regarding in-car entertainment. Again, my son and I had conversations about various things and most importantly about how we as a family try not to eat too much meat. And the meat we do eat is happy meat, or at least as happy as we can afford. I really appreciate how the conversation was nuanced and acknowledged the complemented balance between farmers' lives and incomes. Farming is a whole system that fits with our environment and the importance and challenges of social pressures. Brilliant. Lovely. Thank you, Hannah. Uh, That's really, really interesting. I think that, well, Totty, the bee lady, I think has been one of our best ever guests because of her, her knowledge, her passion, her sort of strength at going against the orthodoxy of of beekeeping and whatever she's doing, she's doing it brilliantly. It was so interesting and well worth a listen. And of course, Hannah also mentioned the one about eating meat and uh, also about grazing, how grazing and using cattle is a really good conservation tool. It's great, great to hear your son's loving it as well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So yeah, we nice are. to hear you listening in. I think it's, it's great. feels like a real privilege that you would let us kind of speak to your child. <laughs> great, I might try it on my son. <laughs> try it in the car. I uh, go, Daddy, I'm tired of your voice. <laughs> <laughs> I left a little, I think, a, a little tape, audio tape in the uh, bottom oh, of the bag that you can it. grab. You have indeed. This is really exciting. I'm going to play it to you first and then we'll have a little bit of chat about it. I hope it excites you. not from this country so hannah do you know what it's it's definitely the clangers it's the clangers yeah well, the, the clangers have written in and um it's not the clangers it's um is it surprisingly bird? Is it it's a bird? bird it's a bird it's a magpie but it's an australian magpie which i had to look up they look vaguely similar in the fact they're black and white but they look a bit bigger and bolder they sing this beautiful rather sort of soft and tuneful song whereas uh, magpies mostly that you hear in the uk are quite quite harsh it's a lot nicer than yeah, the yeah. uk ones apparently now i haven't heard a magpie sing but in in spring they do have a very beautiful singing voice but it's not uttered very often so curious maybe mm. we could try and capture that next yeah, spring that's one to get this lovely recording was sent in by ali cook from badingara which is 250 kilometres north of Perth in Western Australia. So thank you, Ali. Really loved that. Gosh, who do we give our book of the week to? I think we'll have to give a book of the week to both. Both, yeah. Both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I will dig to to both Hannah and Ali. Thank you very much for sending in 
we will send you a book from our from our library, from our podcast <laughs> library. Class library. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, that's just appeared. I get um, them off the top shelf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is obviously this is a, a wild inducement to get more of you to send in your thoughts and your sound and any sounds that you record. That's so lovely to get uh, something all the way from Australia that we wouldn't normally hear in our daily lives, and. But you can find anything on your doorstep or the sound of the wind in the trees. We'd just love to hear them. And you too, if we choose our favourite of the week, we'll send you out a book from, as I say, the very glamorous, very extensive podcast library. library. Yeah, the podcast library, which is full of lovely wildlife and countryside books. But that's it for now. Thank you very much for listening. And thank you to everybody at the Folk by the Oak Festival for, for joining in with the podcast. Thank you to Jack and Hannah for your lovely contributions and to you all out there for listening catch us again next week bye bye for now whether it's gloriously sunny or a spring downpour you can always get outdoors with regatta so what are you waiting for find a route grab your walking shoes and start exploring regatta great outdoors offers all types of performance footwear from technical hiking boots for regular ramblers to durable walking shoes for the whole family with waterproof and breathable qualities shock absorbing comfort and superior grip regatta footwear is designed to withstand whatever challenges mother nature throws your way discover the range in stores nationwide and at regatta.com